The Ambitious Radio Network. Conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Are you an entrepreneur, startup junkie, or just someone interested in improving their leadership skills? If you're looking to be motivated, inspired, and uncover what it takes to get to the next level, listening to Ambitious Radio will be well worth the investment of your time. We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. Now, here's your host, Doug Parker. All right, guys, welcome back to Ambitious Radio. This is your host, Doug Parker, and I say welcome back, but this is our first show on Saturdays, the first show of the new year in 2017, and we are so excited about bringing value, about bringing content to entrepreneurs, business leaders, thought leaders on how they can do things. And I tell you what, the guy we got on the show today is unbelievable. I remember reading something he posted a while back that basically said, you know, people that are reading this magazine or that magazine, you know, they're they're taking advice from people, from writers that have never done business a day in their life. If you want to get advice, get advice from people that are doing it, that are making it happen. And today we've got a guy, he's got an amazing story. He fled to the U.S. Um, excuse me. He fled to fled from Iran uh, during the revolution into a refri- refugee camp in Germany, and then immigrated to the U.S. when he was only 12 years old, and eventually was granted U.S. citizenship. After high school, he joined the military and served in the 101st Airborne. Pat, thanks for doing that, sir. I appreciate your service, and uh, ultimately jumped into the financial services industry. And after a tenure with a couple of traditional companies, he was inspired to launch PHP Agency and insurance marketing organization and he did all of this before the age of 30. PHP is now one of the fastest growing companies in the financial marketplace. Now Pat is passionate about shaping the next generation of leaders and teaching thought-provoking perspectives on entrepreneurship and disrupting the traditional approach to careers. Pat, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I am very good, Doc. How are you? Man, I am doing unbelievable. I mean, so excited about this year of 2017 and it's starting off with a bang. And I didn't mention your full name, but we got Patrick Bet David. And uh, sir, I just, I, I'm honored to have you on the show. I've been following you for years and obviously we've met several times and uh, you've just got so many great things going on. But um, what did I leave out in the intro, man? Tell us just a little bit about yourself personally. Yes. Yeah, so I, like you said, born and raised in Iran, left. We uh, escaped six weeks after Khomeini died in 1989. Went to Germany, lived at a refugee camp there for a couple of years, learned about entrepreneurship in uh, Germany. The first time Super Nintendo 2 was coming out and Super Mario Brothers 2 was coming out. And there was this girl at the refugee camp who was Czechoslovakian and she had a brother named Jan Stapp. I'll never forget him who loved Super Nintendo. And I kind of loved his sister. And so I said, hey, we got to figure this thing out. I'm, I'm not from a wealthy family, so I got to figure out how to go get a Super Nintendo. I went to a local swimming pool in Erlangen, Germany, which is an hour outside of Nuremberg. And I went to the owner. I said, look, you got a lot of beer bottles here. What can I do to help you clean up this place? And uh, he said, I'll give you five fennec per beer bottle you bring back. So I did. I did the math. I needed about 5,000 beer bottles to make 250 marks. The Super Nintendo was 249 marks at Kaufhof, which is Germany's version of Sears. And uh, I got the 5,000 beer bottles. I went and bought the Super Nintendo. 
I brought it back to the refugee camp. Jan Staff played with the Super Nintendo, and I played with his sister for about a year and a half before leaving <laughs> and coming to the States. And we're friends still today. Crazy stuff. 19 years after not seeing him at the refugee camp, we uh, got reconnected on uh, Facebook. But then left Germany, came to U.S., went to the Army, and then after the Army, I got out, went to the traditional financial industry, started PHP. And then we are where we are now with uh, running the financial services side. I got three kids under the age of five. I'm running PHP. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of investors now, with uh, carriers now, with uh, uh, employees, staff, salespeople. And then we're also running Valuetainment, which has grown from being a, a small YouTube channel of a couple hundred subscribers to now we're at about 171,000 subs as of today. We got 160,000 subs and 140,000 subs just in 2000 and. Uh, 16 alone without advertising just a lot of exciting things been going on so in a nutshell that's that's a little bit of my story to add to what you said as well as what i currently doing right now well you know and i'll tell you one of the things that blew me away i had uh sometime last year i had someone they're like doug you got to check out this video and it was on facebook and i'm like all right cool so i start watching this video and i hear this guy's voice and i'm thinking man that voice sounds real familiar and i see this ferrari and i'm like wait a minute that's my buddy Pat. What's up? So it was the craziest thing ever. So I, you know, I send you a text message at like eleven o'clock one night, and um, you know what I'd like to do is I'm going to put you know in the show notes I'm going to put a link to the site. But just the the audio alone is powerful, and I'd like to play that real quick just to set the stage, you know, for who you are and and entrepreneurship and those types of things. So give me just a second. I'm going to play that quick ninety second clip, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds good. Most people only pay attention to the final product of a successful entrepreneur. They say things like, I can never be like them, or they got lucky. What most don't see is what they've overcome. All the struggles, the daily rejections, the heartaches, the betrayals, the rumors, the criticism the empty bank account, and all those lonely nights while trying to make their vision a reality. You see, the only difference between the one who quits and the one who doesn't is that they showed up every day. They worked hard every day. They hustled every day. They learned from a proven mentor every day. They improved every day. They did all this even though they felt like quitting every day. And eventually, they became who they are today. Now, Pat, that was some powerful, powerful stuff. And, of course, like I said, we'll put the, the video on there where you can see, you know, the, the visuals behind it. But what gave you the idea to put that video together? You know, I, I think a lot of times when I would talk to entrepreneurs, they would always think they're the only ones that's going through tough times. And, you know, it's like you don't know what I'm going through, Pat. If you only knew what I'm going through, you'd realize why it's so tough for me to be an entrepreneur and my family and my mom and my dad and my divorce. 
and my challenges and I'm not the smart guy and I don't have this. I said, listen, I hear so many people try to justify the reason the reason why they're not winning is because the difficulties that they're going through and the reason why everybody else won is because they didn't face difficulties. And I said, I got to tell that story in 90 seconds for people to know everybody who ever made it big had to slay certain dragons, had to overcome certain difficulties, but they didn't turn it into an event that got them to get away from their dreams. They made it into a motivation to go out there and pull it off, and then eventually they become heroes that people admire around the world. So that was, the, that was really the motivation behind making that video. Now, you know, you, you talked about, you know, fleeing Iran and, and some of the, the things there, but what are some of the major, major obstacles that you've ran into from a business perspective? Uh, what are, I mean, you name it. I've, I've been sued by a $400 billion company. Okay, I was almost put out of business. I've been bullied. I've been betrayed. I've had talent leaving me and try to take my clients away from me. I've been uh, uh, created rumors. Uh, you know, when you're going through the phases of building a business, you will generally go through three phases. First, you're going to be ridiculed, which means people are going to laugh at you and say, you really think you can do that, Doug? I mean, you really think you can become an entrepreneur? You really think you can build a business? You really think you can go and do this? And then the second phase, which most people get killed in, is violently opposed, which is not violently opposed as in somebody's going to come and kick your butt and try to violently do this. This is when rumors kicks in. And most people cannot handle rumors because most people are conditioned to want to please everybody, especially in America. And in the last 80, 90 years, uh, there was a book written, a phenomenal book, Doug. It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. I don't know if you've read it or not. No More Mr. Nice Guy. One of the things it talks about in this book that's so fascinating, it says the last 60 years, uh, men of America were raised by mothers. They spend more time around their mothers than they did around their fathers. So boys who are raised being more around their mothers than their fathers, they tend to become more sensitive as they grow up. And before, when we worked on farms, men were around men. So and fathers don't have the same tolerance as mothers do. And fathers are not typically as loving as mothers are, and so they're a little bit more tougher and you know pushy and all this other stuff. So the moment people start experiencing this ridicule and, and they're like, wait a minute, but all my life I've tried to please my mom, all my life I've tried to please everybody, all my life I've tried because moms wanna please everybody. And so next thing you know, they're trying to please everybody and they don't realize it is a very, very normal evolution part of becoming an entrepreneur. You're gonna piss off a lot of people and then eventually become self-evident. And self-evident is when everybody starts saying, Doug, we always knew you were going to make it, buddy. You were amazing from day one. I knew it. I knew you were going to make it. And, and that really ticks you off because you're like, wait a minute. You don't remember the rumors? You said, well, you know, I was just trying to see if you were going to do it or not, buddy. You had it. No, you didn't. You were actually really criticizing me and not believing in this. So the self-evident phase is phenomenal. But unfortunately, only about 5% people make it to the self-evident phase. 95% of people fall at the violently opposed rumors, ridicule, criticism, fakes. You know, that's that's great information. And, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, you've gone through these things. You know, you've you've been, had the ups, you've had the downs, and, and the all-arounds, if you will. And then there's always the 
the folks that want to be an entrepreneur. You know, there's the folks that they don't want to work for the man anymore, but but th- that's what this show is all about. We want to talk to people about real experiences that people have gone through. And, you know, before you jump out there and say, I want to be an entrepreneur, uh, you, you need to make sure that you understand the, the weight that gets put on your shoulders. And you talk about being sued by people. And, you know, most people in this world have never been sued by anybody. But whenever you get into business and you start making business transactions, unfortunately, there are some things that cannot get resolved. You wish they could, but they, they, they don't. They get litigated. And, and so that can put a tremendous amount of weight on your shoulders being sued and, and going through litigation and those kinds of things. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of you bringing those things up. Now, let, let me ask just a little bit of a curveball question, Pat, but you know, is there anything that you can think of in the last five years that you, know, you really thought this specific, specific way, and then now you're kind of diametrically opposed to that for whatever reason you've done a 180? Um, have I done a 180 in any, yeah, I've done a 180 on a lot of different things, many different things. So let me think about that. Okay. Um, one, I believe 100%, uh, everybody in the world, uh, can, uh, and has the entrepreneur bone in them. 100% of people in the world, I believe has what it takes to become an entrepreneur, but most of them are never, ever going to want to get there because they don't believe or they don't want to work or they don't they're not willing to go through their the the challenges and they kind of doubt themselves to go through that process that got questioned a little bit because there are certain people that are a little bit more talented than the rest and you're always looking at when i was first growing up and you know i had a guy in my family an uncle in our family his name was luther lazar who was the most successful guy in our family him and another gentleman named fred morad and we would always think like these folks were more special than us, you know, and, and they have certain things that we don't have. And I questioned it a lot until I realized, you know, there's a certain break uh, barrier that I had to break and go through. That's one of the things I could tell you. The other thing is you cannot force success upon anybody um, for the longest time. You, you think you're going to motivate, 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 motivate people until you finally realize you know, you do need to motivate people, but there's nothing more powerful than finding motivated people who want to go out there and win. Because as you find talent, um, the leaders like to take a lot of credit for developing the talent. But in reality, that player who you got, whether the player is a salesperson, an executive, a COO, a C-type employee, that person's wanted to be a player and they've made a decision, work hard. And you could be giving them certain direction, but you've been giving direction to a lot of different people. Why is it that this person rises up more than the other people? It's because they just wanted it more than they did. So no matter how great of a motivator you are and you try to force things into happening, I learned not to force. I learned to dance uh, with people. It it made a very big difference. And quite frankly, it took a lot of pressure off of me uh, to know that. You know, instead of motivating, I started speaking the choice language. Let me explain what I mean by the choice language. The choice language for me was, look, before we talk about, Doug, what we can do to help you win big, what do you want to do yourself? Tell me about what you want to do. And then they would tell me what they want. I said, look, you got two choices. If you don't do anything, this is what life's going to look like. If you do something, this is what it's going to look like. What do you want to do? I'd rather do this. If you choose to do this, it's going to require you to do the following. If you work 80 hours a week, you have the opportunity to have this life. If you don't, you can eventually go back to your job. What do you want to do? I'm willing to work 80 hours a week. If you want to work 80 hours a week, one, you got to make sure you talk to your spouse and have the conversation with her and tell her why. Because if you don't, she's either going to leave you or you're going to quit this business and there's going to no, I want to talk to my wife. If you talk, so everything became to me choices. 
and I communicated my point with choices instead of forces. And the more I started communicating choices over forces, it almost seemed like there's a certain mystical, magical way of getting things done that used to seem like it was so draining before. Now it's just so swift, so easy. Uh, took a lot of pressure off me as well. I'm, obviously, I can talk about all these different things that changed for hours, but those would be a couple of them I would tell you about. Yeah, you know, that's that's great information. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm glad you broke that down. I've never even heard it, you know, presented that way because one of the most frustrating things I know for me and, and for many other entrepreneurs is you, you know, you talked about some people have a little more talent than others and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, you, you look at these different folks that are around and you're like, man, what's wrong with these people? Why don't, why don't they just want to work and make a living? And, you know, the bottom line is, is that they're not the owners, they're not the entrepreneurs. And so they, they march to a beat of a little different drum than we do. But when you present it like that, where, you know, it's, it's choices, you know, versus the forces, it really gives them an opportunity to get in where they want to get in at, at what level and, and prioritize things. Because like you say, if you're working 80 hours a week and you don't have the buy-in from your spouse, you know, it's, it's a tough deal. And, you know, I've been married for two decades, over two decades now. And, you know, the reality is my wife knows what she's got. You know, she's got a guy that works a whole lot and there's some great to that. There's some, there's some negative too, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's, it's something where we over the years have, have worked that out and it's in our rhythm of life and it just kind of, kind of works, you know, kind of works for us. So um, with that being said, we're going to wrap up this part of the episode and we're going to carry on here in just a few minutes after we hear a brief word from our sponsors. We'll be talking more to Patrick Bet David about his career pursuits and his pursuits of becoming an entrepreneur right here in the English could you lose your career because of your faith could your pastor be sued because of his sermons can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God or what they say can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs get the answers and if necessary legal protection from First Liberty Institute. This is Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty. We're the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. We've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to the local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we've got a great guest. Patrick is knocking it out of the park with the content he's bringing. And speaking of content, you know, he's really put a lot of focus on Valuetainment Media. Now, this is a great source, as you mentioned before. It kind of started out as a YouTube channel and has grown into a lot more. Obviously, he's got his business, PHP Agency. But let's talk about Valuetainment, Pat. I mean, what exactly is it that you guys are doing? Uh, what are you hoping to, to get out of that? And then, you know, maybe how do you monetize those efforts? Yeah, you know, so a few years ago, one of our guys came up to me and they said, Pat, why don't you start doing some videos? So I started doing a couple videos. And the first thing you have to do anytime you're doing videos, we just kind of tested it out to see if it even there's an interest from the audience. So we put a few videos, the first episodes, uh, first 100 episodes we did was called uh, Two Minutes with Pat. 
And the problem with two minutes with Pat was not a single episode was two minutes. Everything was seven minutes, nine minutes, eight minutes. So people said, why are we even calling two minutes with Pat if none of these things are two minutes? So uh, two years later, after doing a one episode a week that went about 104 weeks, uh, then we had to look and said, what do we really want to do? And then we realized uh, two minutes with Pat's not going to work. We started announcing valuetainment, which valuetainment means value and entertainment combined together. People tend to be more open to education and content if you're willing to give them some entertainment so their mind opens up. Then you feed them the value. That formula has worked very well, so we started valuetainment. So the first uh, uh, six months of valuetainment, we're talking about all these sorts of things, sports, music, this and that, and politics. I said, listen, we're cutting this out. We need to pick one word and one word only that we're going to talk about moving forward. And that one word became entrepreneurship. If you go on YouTube right now, you type in the word entrepreneur, first page, 25 videos pops up. Ten of the videos are our videos on page one of YouTube. If you go on YouTube and type in entrepreneur, you'll see that. And so why entrepreneur? Let me tell you why we chose entrepreneurship. I grew up in a family where my mother was a communist and my father was an imperialist. Uh, so you can pretty much imagine I grew up very confused. On one side, my mother wants to tell us how bad rich people are and their entire family hated rich people. I mean, couldn't stand rich people to save their lives. And on my dad's side, my dad couldn't stand lazy people. He saw all people who didn't have money and were begging. He called them all lazy. They're lazy. They're lazy. They're lazy. So I, I had zero opinions about politics. I had zero opinions about religion. I was an atheist for 25 years of my life because I always got kicked out of Sunday school. The teacher would come and tell my mom and dad, your kid doesn't need to be in Sunday school because he questions everything in the Bible. Everything we ask me goes back to if God loves us so much, why is it that we got bombed 167 times in a day? And we don't have an answer to that question yet. We don't know what to say to this guy. He's just too difficult in Sunday school. So uh, years later, years later, when I was finally able to get into the world of business and create my own opinions about politics, especially forms of economy, I realized there's not even a single system that comes close to capitalism. Nothing does. Nothing com comes close to capitalism. No matter how much people try to sell the concept of Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto, and he's a noble man, and it, you know, these rich people are bad, and all they care about is putting other people to work, and et cetera, et cetera, or socialistic systems in Europe like Greece and France and Spain who are losing so much money where I was in France a few months ago, and I'm having breakfast, and I tell this guy, I say, where are you from? He says, I'm from France. I said, so tell me what you love about living in France. He says, I hate living in France. That's why I live in Atlanta now. I said, well, wait a minute, you sound French. <laughs> He said, yes, I moved to, I'm not going to live in France. Do you know what socialism's done to country of France? This place sucks. No one wants to live here. No one wants to be here. People want to leave. So that validation came what socialism does. So I'm, I'm fully, you know, obsessed with teaching the concept of capitalism and entrepreneurship to people around the world. And, and the last guy in the world that did this in a prolific way was a man named Milton Friedman, which you probably know Milton uh, well, from having studied some of his books, whether it's free to choose or capitalism and all this other stuff that he has, he taught capitalism in a way that everybody sat there and said, my God, this is a tough one to debate. This just makes a lot of sense. And I think the world wants more crusaders for the subject of capitalism and entrepreneurship. So valuetainment was born from that inspiration of wanting to show the world that if you decide to use certain fundamentals that capitalism and entrepreneurship teaches, it can completely impact your life positively. 
no question about it. Now, when you talk about you know the passion, so you you got to have passion for something, and you've obviously got that, and you know you're you've got these videos, and, and trust me, they are moving. I watch them. I love I love tuning in. I get nuggets all the time, or I'm you know sharing your posts on LinkedIn or whatever they are. But um, can you talk a little bit about you know, like the monetization piece of it? Have you gotten it where you're monetizing it? Because I know you're the one video. It's gotten almost like thirty million views, right? Yes. Yeah, so the, the, the life of an entrepreneur is at 30 million. But remember, there's zero monetization on Facebook. Facebook doesn't monetize. So you don't make any money on Facebook. Facebook is purely for Facebook. So Facebook hasn't yet started giving money to uh, their contributors. They may, they may not, they just haven't yet. But let's talk about YouTube. Let's talk about YouTube. YouTube is very simple on when you look at different personalities on YouTube. If you go on YouTube, you'll find guys who are doing what they're doing on YouTube to sell $5,000 mentoring packages, or they'll send, you know, come and buy this program on webinar. I will teach you how to create your own email funnels for $4.99 and you can learn this. We're not doing that. We have zero desire to do that and be that. That is not our game. Our game is not to sell webinars. Our game is not to sell uh, $8,000 packages to 17 year old kids that have their parents pay for it. We don't want to do that. So that, that part set aside. Now the other side is, you know, YouTube, typically the way you, the way to do the math on, on YouTube, YouTube pays you roughly 30 cents per subscriber per year. So you do the math on that. If you got 100,000 subscribers, you're making 30 grand a year. So you're really not making any legitimate money on YouTube unless you get to roughly a million subs or so. Like the number one guy on YouTube, PewDiePie, who's got 50 million subs, he makes 15 million per year. Now, he's got 50 million subs, and he's number one on it. So you go and study some of these guys, uh, you'll see what type of money is being made. It's not really a money game because 30000 or 60000 is not going to uh, change any of it. I'm losing money by simply putting the videos. It's taking more of my time. Now, we did have 46 million minutes of Valuetainment being watched last year. And Valuetainment is already becoming the number one channel on YouTube for entrepreneurship. So there's influence from 196 different countries that follow Valuetainment. But this is going to a place. This is going to a next phase uh, of what we want to do. If you were asking me the question because you want a listener to figure out a way on the importance of social media and how they can help that help out their business, we can go into that. And I got a lot of feedback to give on that if that's the direction you want to go into. Well, you know, so so it's it's really just kind of getting to know the starting with the end in mind. So you've got all these viewers, and and that's kind of where I was going. I mean, you're putting a lot of time into it, and I, I mean, I see how much you're putting into it, and there's not a ton load of money into it. I mean, you know, thirty to sixty grand. I mean, that's great and everything, but I I know your your capability, your earning capacity, and if you're spending the kind of time you are on this, uh, you're 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 not doing it for the money on the on the views. So so what's the end game with it? Is it is it a situation where it's purely an educational deal where you're trying to educate people, or is it something where you're really trying to monetize it long term and do something more with it? Yeah. So so financially, uh, Doug, we were offered a nine figure check to buy PHP agency two weeks ago. So that financially, I'm not worried about money at all. So while these guys need to do to make money, I'm not doing it on the money side of it at all. Having said that, uh, I'm about to launch a book in the next um, three weeks called Drop Out and Get School. The book is called Drop Out and Get School. It's going to be very controversial. It's going to piss off a lot of people. Lots of people are going to be irritated, annoyed. Uh, I'm questioning every single thing about academia. I'm questioning every single thing 
about the media, the government, uh, teachers, professors, uh, even some parents who are being pressured to try to catch up with other parents who are putting their kids through a certain school to brag about the fact that their kid goes to UT or University of Texas or they're going to Baylor or they're going to UCLA or USC or Florida State or Wharton Business School or Harvard or Yale or whatever. That book is going to create a lot of havoc. Uh, and the real premise of that book is I'm just not a fan of the educational system that we have. Uh, I'm not. I don't know who came up with four years. Why do we have to go four years to get a bachelor's degree? Why not 18 months? Uh, especially nowadays when we know that technology is changing so quickly that a person who wants to go out there and get a degree in engineering, whatever they learned in the first six months of engineering for coding already changed six months later. So why is somebody spending 200 grand for their kids to become an engineer today while they can go learn the same exact thing on a website called Code Academy that's free, where they teach you how to code for free, and a quarter billion dollars was put into Code Academy to change the educational system around the world, that they now have 40 million students around the world logging on to Code Academy to learn how to code. Things are changing. Things are being revolutionized, Doug. So uh, for me, we're going to start a, uh, uh, the, the book is going to start a revolution called the Dropout Revolution. We're going to have hundreds of thousands of kids dropping out around the world. Matter of fact, there was a kid last week Two weeks ago, his story went viral. It's called, uh, uh, guy's name is Billy Wilson from Kansas State. He dropped out, and there's a picture of him flipping off Kansas State's uh, logo. I mean, we're not endorsing flipping off the university because that's not a way of doing anything. But then he had a 4.0 GPA. He got you know straight A's all across the board. And he watched a video that I have online called Dropout and uh, Stay in School or Dropout. And he shared that with his parents and everybody. And then he drops out. USA Today picks up the story. His video gets all these virality and he says the reason why I dropped that is because I watch value team and now I'm an entrepreneur I started my own business now I'm making this much money and he's taken off we want people to realize that schooling is not the only way to go so value the next phase of value is going to be a couple different things one is we're going to start an online university for entrepreneurs um, that's already in the works I bought the domain this domain that you'll hear about in the next six months for seventy two thousand dollars it's a very very a well-known domain, searchable name that is going to go to us. And we're going to la launch an online university around the world where kids, adults, people who are either startups, people who are aspiring entrepreneurs, and people who are running businesses that are doing 20, 30 million a year with maybe 100 employees who want to know how to take their business to the next level, how to raise capital, how to raise this. We're creating an online university for entrepreneurs. That's one of them. And then the next phase outside of that is a little bit bigger, but that's a whole different story. So it is going to next phases of what we want to do. Well, that's that's very exciting, and I can't wait to hear about it. And, you know, I, I uh, have never been to College Day in my life, and we talk about that every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody has their situation they grew up with, right? So whatever you grew up with was normal to you, and whatever I grew up with was normal to me. Yeah. And so many people nowadays, they've got this, you know, what's normal is you go to school for four years, you get out, it gives them four more years to mature, and they come out with $100,000 in student loan debt, and they get a job, you know, being a barista at, at Starbucks. You know, and not that I'm, I'm degrading that in any way, but the problem is the, the, the finances don't line up there. And, you know, I love, I love what you're doing is, is kind of an outside-the-box way of giving people the education that they need, not a bunch of other stuff, and finding ways to really focus on that entrepreneurial spirit. So I can't wait to hear more about it and maybe have you back on the show once you launch it and, and talk about how folks can get involved in that and really, you know, make it happen. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, I, and like I said, I, I've known you for a few years now, and you're a big, strong guy, but let's, let's talk about this. Fears. 
what fears have you had over the years? And, you know, you talk about some of the litigation and just this and that. But can you think of a situation that you went through that it was truly like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of scared. And then how did you transition through that period of time? Oh, my gosh. I mean, how many? So um, scared. I mean, I've been I've been scared all my life. I played scared all my life. Um, you know, when you when you live in the environment that I live, you, you always are somewhat paranoid. Uh, you always have certain fears. You always have certain insecurities. You always have certain issues that what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, but I'll give you the evolution of it. I'll give you a few different ones. I remember when I was coming out of high school. I had no idea what was I was going to do with my life. All my friends went to college, and all of them went to a decent college, and I didn't. I didn't have anything going on. So I joined the Army. And when I was in the Army, I'm about to reenlist, Doug, and a friend calls me in the middle of the night at midnight, a night before my reenlistment ceremony, I'm about to get my Army Accommodation Medal and the orders, my Colonel, Colonel Peacox, got my orders to go to Vicenza, Italy. I got accepted to uh, Special Forces. I got accepted to Ranger School, Seer School, Airborne, all of it. And my friend calls me at night and he tells me, you got to get out of the military. And I said, what do we get out of the military? I said, these guys got me six years order. I'm going to get anything I want and I'm going to Vicenza, Italy. He says, Pat, you can't do that. And the reason why I didn't get out of the military initially is because I didn't believe I could make it in the civilian world. I didn't think I was capable enough of making it in the civilian I truly felt I needed the government assistance of a certain benefits or certain you know, program that's going to help me out to take care of my health insurance and my school and all this other stuff. I relied on the, this guy that believes in capitalism now at one point was so scared and insecure that he didn't think he could make it in the civilian world. So he was ready to reenlist and just go that route and serve the country. And he spent an hour on the phone with me that night. I woke up in the morning. Uh, I was so scared. I went to my colonel. I said, I'm not reenlisting. I'm getting out. And they didn't give me my Army accommodation medal, which I fully understood why they didn't. Lieutenant Colonel P. Cox was one of the greatest men I've made in my life. In my life. So I got out of the military. I started working at Bally's. And uh, when I worked at Bally's, um, there I wanted to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger, the next Mr. Olympia, marry a Kennedy, become a governor, you know, go become an actor. It's what I wanted to do. And then everything just didn't work out. Got my heart broken by a girl I was with. I lost everything I had. My credit score was 480. I lost my car. I lost, I, I lost everything. So for about a month, um, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't pick up a phone call. I wanted to go back in the military. I had to go back and beg valleys for a job because you know they, they I left without giving a two-week notice and had to go back and ask him for a job humiliating experience when I was selling shirts on the corner of Nordoff and Reseda to try to find some way to make additional money so fear's been a big part of my life and then when we first started PHP I put 100% of my savings into the company we didn't have investors we didn't raise capital uh, we didn't go get debt. I put 100% of every single penny I had saved in my life. I'm not from a wealthy family. My dad was a cashier at a 99 cent store in uh, Inglewood, and my mother ran out of money, so she went back to Iran, and my sister got married. And right after their wedding, they went to Burger King. They bought two Whoppers, and then they went to Holiday Inn. That was their honeymoon, and then they went home. That's truly their honeymoon. So I'm not from a wealthy family. So I, I took all my savings, and I put in PHP. And so we get sued by a $400 billion company, 400-page lawsuit that they sent me and seven of our guys that they try to sue. And uh, eight months later, we settled. We had to write a big check. And one night I come home, and it's about a year into the business, and I come home, and my wife's in tears. 
It's one o'clock in the morning. She's in tears. And I said, baby, what's up, baby? She said, I lost a baby. So what do you mean you lost a baby? So I just had a miscarriage. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Everything hit me at the same time, Doug. And that night, I'll never forget that night. I, uh, I asked her to, to, babe, it's gonna be okay, all this other stuff. And I went downstairs, we lived in this community in a condo apartment when we started PHP because I told her I'm not buying a house for five years. 100% of our savings is going into the company and I'm not gonna buy a house. So I walk in the community, I'm listening to Foreigner. I wanna know what love is. Think about out of all the songs, I vividly remember this song because this is an army song that we would listen to when we drank too much tequila. And so I'm walking around in a community, in tears, and I got into the biggest argument with God. Literally, it was the biggest argument. I've never had this kind of an argument with God. And I just was speaking, and I just said, listen, I mean, look, I'm doing everything, and I think 100% of what I'm doing and what we're doing as a company is something that's gonna serve the world positively. Why don't you make certain miracles happen? We were down to our last $13,000. Now, $13,000 may seem like a lot of money to some people, it's not a lot of money when you're running a company when your payroll is a lot of money and your lease for your office is 15 grand a month, not including everything else. That, that 13,000 is gonna go in the next four days. And I had all these conversations that night and that week we got our first $100,000 commission check and then from there on, um, you know, we grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and now, you know, it's it's a whole different story now what's going on with the company. I mean, we, we now have uh, uh, Silicon Valley investors that have invested into our company. Our president is a guy that took Jamdat public and sold it for $680 million. He's a guy that was a former CEO of GoTV and he founded Premier Digital Publishing. Now he's the president. Our compliance guy is the best guy in the industry. The relationships we have with carriers is the most insane relationships we have with carriers. We started off with one office out of Northridge, California with 66 agents. Now we're in 49 states with over 3,000 licensed agents. Uh, in America, and we did that in seven years. So, but all of this goes back to knowing you got to play scared for a long, long time. Because if you don't, too much cocky and arrogance is how it gets you knocked out. Like Mike Tyson got knocked out by Buster Douglas. You got to always keep your guard up. <laughs> oh man, that is great, great stuff for our listeners. And we'll wrap up this segment and jump back in here just a minute with Pat. But I really appreciate the time. And if you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe by texting the word "ambitious" to six nine nine two two. Standard message rates do apply. See the website for full details right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. We'll be right back after a quick break. Here's another RepairMyCreditNow.com story. It's a day this family had dreamed of for quite some time. They were finally getting that brand new SUV. The salesperson at the auto dealership gave them the keys and told them to take it for the weekend. He'd prepared the documents and called them Monday morning. The kids had already installed the headrest DVD when the phone rang. Seems there was a problem with their credit they were unaware of. They'd have to return the SUV to the dealership immediately. Embarrassing, to say the least. www.repairmycreditnow.com Hello, this is Doug Parker with repairmycreditnow.com. Do you have less than perfect credit, a repo, maybe some late payments, a collection account? Are they being reported accurately? Studies show that over 70% of Americans have inaccuracies on their credit reports. Where do you fit in? Go to RepairMyCreditNow.com for your free credit report evaluation. And remember, your credit is your future. If you want to get started now, log on now. RepairMyCreditNow.com RepairMyCreditNow.com www.RepairMyCreditNow.com All 
All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we've got Patrick at David, and I'm telling you what, I'm just getting so many nuggets of wisdom. I'm just jotting stuff down, talking about getting knocked out by, like Mike Tyson by Buster Douglas. I'm giggling. I mean, you, you can't get cocky because, it, you know, if you have success, which is what we all want, if you're not careful, you will slip up and stop doing the things that got you where, you know, where you were uh, trying to get to, and, and that puts you in a very vulnerable position. But, you know, Pat, let, let's talk a little bit about you know, how you transition. I mean, you're, you're a very successful guy. Uh, you've, you've, you know, you've skinned your knees a couple times on some stuff you've talked about, but the bottom line is you keep pushing forward. You keep doing new stuff. You've got PHP. It's, it's as, as successful as it's ever been. You've got Valuetainment. It's the next, you know, uh, iteration of your life of what's going on. You've got the book coming out. You've got the, the university. But how do you go through that decision-making process? So meaning what, what, how do you make a decision on what to do next, what the next move is? Yeah, what the next move is because what I've seen you know, with entrepreneurs, and again, I, I, I look at myself in the mirror a lot when I'm, when I'm saying this, is you, know, you, you dream stuff up and then you want to go do it because you've got an idea of this could change something. But then you still got to focus on this and that. And you, you know, if you're not careful, you, you're like a squirrel and you're going down the road looking at 15 different things. So how do you come up with the ideas and then how do you focus on what you have to stay focused on and then how do you uh, get focused on the new stuff to, to move forward on it? Yeah, so so 95% of the ideas we scratch, period. So 95% of the ideas we scratch or we set it aside and put it on the table for another time. That, that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, anytime we come up with ideas, we, uh, you know, a lot of times we have five great ideas that we're excited about. Then we talk about how much money is needed for that idea. Do we do it now? Do we do it a year from now? Do we do it two years from now? Do we do it three years from now? Uh, what kind of returns is it going to give? How is it going to impact? What type of an impact is it going to make? Who do we need? Who do we need to make this become a reality? Do we need to go get certain talent? Do we need to recruit somebody? Do we need to bring somebody? What do we need to do, uh, need to do with that? So that's the first thing with ideas. But the other thing is. For me, um, I, I think it's very, very important, Doc, to understand yourself. Somebody asked me the other day the question to happiness. I said, how do you become happy? And I said, to me, happiness is all about alignment. For me, it's all about alignment. Let me explain what alignment to me is. Alignment to me is, you know, if, if, what I, if my belief system, my values and principles that I've chosen to live by match up with what comes out of my words and my life, if that's aligned, I'm happy. For example, if I say I'm going to go out there and be a millionaire and here's how much I'm going to make this year, and I say this publicly to my wife, to my kids, to everybody, but then I sleep in, I wake up in the morning, I watch prices right, and I kick back and I come home early because my first sale didn't go well, and I come home to watch a movie and then I watch sports at night, I am so unaligned that I can't stand myself and I am bitter so anybody that's around me cannot stand my company because it's awkward being around PBD. So why am I telling you this whole alignment concept here? Because it varies, Doug, for everybody. For instance, for me, I'm purely driven by history. I'm not driven by money. Money is very easy to make. It's America, uh, capitalism, all about math. Uh, math uh, capitalism is a mathematical formula. You've got to find a problem, you've got to be the solution, and then you add those together based on your work ethic, you get, you make the money, and the bigger you think, the more you scale, the more you can differentiate yourself, uh, uh, and then from there you can separate yourself from the pack and build a good business for yourself. That's really what it is. It's not that complicated. Making money is not complicated in America. Making money is very complicated in making in North Korea. 
Making money is hard to make in Iran if you're living under certain dictatorship that you cannot say the things that you want to say. That I understand. Venezuela, yes. Cuba, yes. America, no. No one in America has any excuse. If in America you don't become rich or you don't become a millionaire, you don't make a quarter million dollar your income, you seriously are not using what is available to all of us. The best social program in America that we have is a system called capitalism. That's number one. So now let's set that aside. The next part. My interests today, Doug, are different than my interest of 10 years ago, than my interest of 15 years ago, than my interest of five years ago. My interest, interest today have all to do with impact. And I'm talking world type of impact. Uh, I'm not talking making another 100 million. I'm not talking making another 50 million. I'm not talking getting another Lambo or another Ferrari or another I-8 or another big house or another traveling destination that's crazy. I'm not, that doesn't, I'm the guy that you go on trips with. Within three days, I want to come back home. My wife always knows I'm good for three days on vacations. After three days, I got to come back home. That's not how I was 13 years ago. That's how I am today because I'm over the traveling part. The only purpose for me to go travel, if my kids are not with me when I travel, what the hell am I going back to this place here? I want to see the world again through their eyes. So that's why Dubai becomes first time again if I take my kids to it. France becomes first time again if I take my kids to it. So that's perspective to putting as far as what money has value to me, history and impact has value. So now let's go and take it to the next level. So at this point, well, I remember clearly when one day in 2008, I was my temper was very bad, my fuse was very bad, and I kept asking myself, why am I so ticked off? I'm making money, I'm doing good, what the hell is going on with me here, right? I'm asking myself, why are you feeling this way? I go have dinner with George Will, which I think you know George Will, he was a former advisor to uh, Ronald Reagan. I have dinner with him and I have dinner with Pat Boone at Miramar Hotel in Santa Monica. And my pure question was one thing. Look, I wanna know why I was put on this planet more than just making money, becoming famous, living in a nice house, staying in shape, taking care of your health, teaching the right things to your kids, going to church, being a good citizen, blah, 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 all that stuff is great. But what else is more than that? Is that it? Because I'm not excited with that. If that's, if that's it, I'm not, there's gotta be more than that. So George challenged me, George will challenge me, and he said, you know, why don't you go study why so many immigrants come to America? And I said, what do you mean? He says, go study why so many immigrants come to America. Go study capitalism. And that's the challenge I was given. So I left. He says, your generation could care less about economy and forms of economy. If you truly want to make an impact, go study that. So I did. I left. That became my obsession. So right now, whatever's next to me is simply to spread the message of capitalism and entrepreneurship around the world. I know I sound like I'm beating a dead horse here over and over and over again, but that truly is me. So the next phase after PHP, I'm going to be the CEO of this company for another 24 to 36 months. After that, uh, the only way that I can truly spread the message of capitalism and entrepreneurship around the world is media, media, media. That's why Valuetainment is a media company. So we are going to tell stories through movies, through storytelling, through books, through uh, uh, marketing, through it's, it's just it's going to be purely all about telling that story next, because at this point, uh, whenever I sit there and I look at stuff, I have two ways that I look at businesses, which one is exponential and which one is linear. I have zero interest in linear businesses, zero. Uh, people come and tell me, buy this thing, it's going to give you a return of 6% per year. I don't care about linear return. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about exponential return that has major impact. So that's why my focus has mainly been on any projects that have to do with impact, with making history, and specifically being exponential. 
You know, that is powerful. I was just jotting down some more notes there. I mean, I'm scribbling like crazy on this deal, and it, it really is powerful, and it's it's unbelievable hearing, you know, just the capitalism flowing through your veins, and you talk about, you know, mom being a communist and dad being the imperialist, but how that and, and going through the military and then how it's how it's grooms you into the man that you are today and doing the things that you're doing, it really is powerful. And I, I love seeing these things. And you, when you said the the entertainment, you know, piece of it and the movies and everything. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Pat, but did, did you do like a top 100 movies list? And that- uh, I did. Okay. I did. You know, I did. Can you talk about that for just a second? I know it's a little bit off topic here, but the yeah. bottom line is I, I went through, I printed it off, and I went through every one of them, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I went through almost every one. There was one or two I don't think I had, but it was parts of every single movie. But just tell us a little bit about that and where maybe somebody could check that out. Yeah, so, you know, for me, it's, it's again, how, how do you get inspired? I just remember being a kid in Iran where movies were illegal. So, one, alcohol was illegal, and anything related to America was illegal because if you turn on the TV from morning till night, the media told us one thing, America sucks, America sucks, America's evil, death upon America, this is all we ever saw. As a kid, we grew up thinking Americans are evil. That's all we ever saw. So whenever we would have a chance to watch a movie, it was like, man, we're watching a movie, we could possibly get arrested. And I remember one movie that completely dug, I mean, I probably watched this movie maybe 300 times. Uh, as a kid, and it was Rocky IV. And it's so amazing because Rocky IV to me was Drago, was my mother's family, and Rocky was my dad's family. So from being a kid, and the way the movie ends at the end where he says, you know, at the beginning, you know, you saw me and we were enemies and we were going at it, but if I can change and he can change, anybody can change. That message is a very powerful message so I saw the, the power of how a movie can impact people's lives because it did to me. Uh, my addiction today, if I can tell you my vice, um, I am famous for years of once a month, I would go watch a movie at 10 a.m. in the morning with 80-year-old people because the only people that ever go to the movies on a weekday at, at 10 a.m. are 80-year-olds, retired people. And they pretty much knew me by my name. Hey, hey, Patrick, hey, son, come sit over here and let's watch this movie together. Um, so eventually, I made a list of top 100 movies to watch for entrepreneurs, and I explained in each movie why, what lesson you learn from this movie. So uh, I think it's one way to inspire the world. And again, that's another reason why we started Valuetainment Media, because I think the best effective way to inspire some people who don't want to read books is through movies. You know, that's that's great. Uh, ambitious times here. I'm telling you guys, I'll put a link to that on the show notes page for a pad. And, and it, it's just great information. It's going back and, and finding ways to kind of motivate yourself, trick your brain, get it into the mojo of going and moving forward. And, you know, it really is just, uh, it, it's a different way to do it. Some people love to read. Some people like to listen. But the power of, of a moving picture is great. And I can't wait to see, you know, I, over the years I've known Pat, I see some of the things that he's doing. I see some of the things he's done. And if this guy's going to start making some, some movies or some TV, shows or something that's related to business, you better tune in because I promise you there will be nuggets that you will just, you can't do without. So uh, with that being said, we got to take one more quick break and hear from our sponsors and then we'll be back talking to Patrick about what he does to recharge his ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network.
Hey, ambitious listeners, you hear us interviewing entrepreneurs all the time, and there's a common theme. They want to be more productive and improve their communication. As an ambitious entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. The Ambitious Radio Network recently partnered with Grasshopper to offer our listeners a special discount. Log on to ambitiousradio.com and click on the Grasshopper banner in the bottom right-hand corner. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forwards callers to your mobile phone or others in your organization. Get a toll-free number or local number for your business with multiple extensions. Set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world. Get your voicemails emailed to you as an audio attachment or transcribe an email. Keep business calls separate from your personal calls. Plans start at $12 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to click on the Grasshopper banner at ambitiousradio.com for a special discount for our listeners. Join the over 150,000 small business owners that have stayed connected with Grasshopper. See how Grasshopper works. It's the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn the world into your office. All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network. We got Patrick and David here with us. This guy has done it all, successful entrepreneur, got a new venture going on, getting into the education side of things and disrupting things. I think that's one of the things he he, he kind of slid by on that a little bit and talked about disrupting something in the beginning with the education deal. But this guy shakes it up, finds ways to make stuff happen, be more efficient, make more money, help more people. And it makes a huge difference, but it takes a toll on you. I mean, when you're grinding it out, doing those kind of things, you know, it, it really is a passion, but you can run out of juice. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do to recharge your ambitious body, mind, and spirit? What does, what does an average day look like for you? What is your rhythm of, of life? That's a, that's a very good question. You know, just a few months ago, I went on the scale and I noticed that I had a hard time getting out of bed early in the morning and I was getting tired too early on throughout the day. And my game is all about stamina and fatigue. So I can't be fatiguing early. I got to last, right? Because if you're going to compete with anybody, the name of the game is who can last the longest. It's very simple. Pete Rose was doing an interview with A-Rod. This is a very, very famous interview with A-Rod and Frank Thomas that was done a couple months ago. And Pete was explaining swings. He was explaining swings. And A-Rod asks Pete the following question. He says, hey, Pete, let me ask you a question. What, time, what was your favorite time to play? Was it daytime? Was it you know, evening? Was it hot? Was it this? You know what he said? He says, whatever time that got the pitcher to get tired faster. <laughs> what, a, what a response to say, whatever time that the pitcher got. He says, because I never got tired. I can outlast you. And I love that answer that he gave. So six months ago, I go on the scale, and the scale says 257. I've never weighed 257 before. So I said, wait a minute, what is 257? My belly looked like I was pregnant. I said, this cannot happen. As a former competitor, I cannot... I cannot have my body be looking like this and feeling like this. So I went to a nutritionist. I hired a local nutritionist. We went and we took my blood and we came back with a 40 page test that he showed me everything from my, uh, uh, and, and you know, triglyceride. We went through every single thing together with them. And then I said, look, I need to lose some weight. What do you suggest? He put me on a diet. He says, what do you eat? We did an entire assessment of what I eat. I ate way too much fruit. Think about this. Most people are going to say, what do you mean way too much? Isn't it good to eat too much fruit? No, I ate way too much fruit. The fruit is too much of it is sugar. So I would finish a watermelon all by myself at 9 o'clock at night. That's purely sugar going to sleep is what you're doing it with. So I had to cut away a lot of things. I ate a lot of cereal. I ate a lot of uh, oatmeal. So six months ago, he told me cut cereal, cut oatmeal in the morning, 
zero. Six months, I haven't had a single oatmeal, a single cereal in the morning uh, because grains and bread, it keeps all the fat around your stomach. So everything around the stomach is rock grains. You drop grains, your stomach goes four inches. I lost four or five inches in a span of six months. And then I went from 257 to 231. And my energy went to a whole different level. I don't eat breads now. I've dropped a lot of different things. I only do water and diet coke. I can have a diet coke a day. Uh, I don't do any of the other stuff. Now, on Sundays, I have cheat days, which means I will do my popcorn. I will do my uh, 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 one bread, one loaf of bread that I'll do on the weekends. But I still don't do cereal. I still don't do uh, oatmeal in the mornings. And that was a way for me to realize that I need this energy to be up. So now let's talk about recharging myself. As we age, so there's an evolution about exercise, and this is the evolution of exercise is very important for us to realize. When we're younger, we exercise because we have so much energy as kids. My kids nonstop are running, and then all of a sudden, boom, they fall asleep and go to sleep. Then we exercise when we're teenagers because we're playing some kind of sports, and we want to compete because we want to play and we want to get some kind of recognition and we want the girl to pay attention to us, et cetera, et cetera. Then in our 20s, we work out because we want to impress our friends and we want to impress our opposite sex, at least for most of us. We want to impress the opposite sex. And then after we get married and we have kids, there's this notion that people say, well, I already got my wife and I'm good. What am I working out for? That's where the mistake happens because that's the evolution that we got to continue because the last reason why to exercise and to recharge is one thing. Negotiation, the person that negotiates the best is the person that doesn't give up in the negotiation because they have more energy and stamina than the other guy. Because the other guy says, I give in $60,000. Okay, great. And he could have got $90,000. But they're tired. Stamina cannot last. They're too tired. Ideas, we're in a break room. We're coming up with some ideas. And we're trying to come up with this breakthrough idea to change things up. One guy that doesn't give ideas, he's way too tired. He's lethargic. Give me some damn ideas, man. What are you sitting in this room for? No ideas, no nothing. It's purely stemmed from being way too tired. If I have my energy higher, I solve problems better. I lead better. I direct better. I can, you know, understand the difference between, you know, what I need to do for certain other people that also need a great example to rise up and get their energies to be higher. So all of those things combined becomes the reason why energy and exercise becomes even more important after we're married with kids. So what does an average day look like? You what, what time do you get up in the morning? What time do you go to bed at night? I mean, so I know there's a lot of people that can, you know, survive on a little less sleep. I hear a lot, you know, seven to eight hours is like the standard amount that you need. What does it take for you to, uh, not, to, to operate? I, yeah, I can tell you I'm not seven, eight hours. I'm five to six is what I am. Uh, I'm five to six is what I am. And, and some by choice, some by force. The reason why by force, we have a seven-month-old. And we've had kids, uh, we've had a startup family for the last four years. Everybody's waking up at some point or another. So we haven't, we can't get eight if we tried. Uh, but I'm a five to six. I've generally always been five to six. I refuel myself on Sundays. So meaning on Sundays, if I sleep, there's not a deadline. I sleep on Sundays. I used to. I can't do it today because my Dylan, my son, wakes me up at six o'clock every morning. Regardless, even on a Sunday, he comes, he jumps and he wrestles. He's crazy, so I can't do nothing about Dylan, and I enjoy every second of it. I don't do naps, although some people do naps. The reason why I don't do naps in the middle of the day, again, this works for some people. It doesn't do with my body. When I take naps, I'm pretty much lethargic for the rest of the day. I don't like naps. Uh, let me say the complete opposite. 
there are many, many successful entrepreneurs that take naps and it works for them. So don't take it from me. Remember, everything for me went back to understanding yourself and being aligned with yourself. And no one knows your body better than you do, except don't use that as an excuse to say, well, this is why I need nine hours of sleep. Now you're being a little bit, you know, you're making excuses on that side. So I'm a five to six hour sleep guy. That's what I do, five to six hours. Gotcha. Now, work-life balance, you know, we, you touched on it briefly in the beginning as it related to, you know, if you're going to work 80 hours a week, you need to run it yeah. by your wife. But let's talk about work-life balance for you because, you know, are you one of those kind of guys that can work a 40-hour work week and, and, you know, use the other 128 hours uh, for other things? Or, or are you a little bit more than, than 40 hours? I, I've never, I can't think of the last time I worked 40 hours. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I don't know the last time I worked. I did a video called How to Really Become a Millionaire. And this video is on YouTube. And Entrepreneur Magazine put it on their YouTube channel. became their top YouTube. I think it's got like 700,000 views on YouTube. And one of the things I talk about in that video, I said there's three, three different levels. One is a person who works 40 hours a week. I call that a part-timer. Okay. Then there's a person who works 60 hours a week. I call that person a full-timer. Then there's a person that works 80 hours a week. I call that person an all-the-timer. So again, based on how big of a goal you have, you cannot say, I want to be a billionaire one day and build a company that's going to revolutionize the world and work 40 hours a week. You're unaligned. Your message and your behavior is unaligned. It just doesn't add up. If you say you want to make six figures and you're willing to wait 10 years to make six figures and you want to work 40 hours a week, that can work. It definitely can work. You know, if you want to make... A half a million and you're willing to do 60 hours a week for 10 years and you're in the sales side because it's not going to work if you're an employee you can do it in the sales side that can work but if you want to make seven figures there's got to be a phase of your life where it was just insanity now having said that let's go back to the work-life balance you're talking about with family so you know Doug one of the things I always do is I do the following I think this is very important I think we need more people doing this and I don't think we're doing enough times Marriage has become so commercialized. Let me explain. Marriage has become so emotional. It's so emotional. Marriage is like, you know, I'm going to find my Rachel McAdams and Rachel and I are going to go and we're going to be in the lake while it's raining and we're going to be, you know, in the boat and it's going to rain and we're going to make out. And then when we get married, I'm going to pick her up like Patrick Swayze picks up the baby and dirty dancing and no one puts the baby in the corner because... She's my sweetheart and I'm having the time of my life and she's like the wind. All this stuff is great. It's Hollywood. Okay. That's phenomenal. That's great. There's nothing like innocence love. There's nothing like puppy love. I think everybody ought to experience it because it's a beautiful thing. But then after having a puppy love and after having your heart shattered once, which is the best thing that can happen to you, then there's got to be some logic to relationships. Don't get me wrong, there's got to be magic in whoever you decide to marry. There's got to be something. I love my wife. There's got to be magic to seeing the woman and saying, man, this, this, this person is exciting. Like she, she excites me. He excites me. But there's a logical side. And here's what the logical side is. On our second date with my wife, we went to church in the morning. Then we went to a, a, a restaurant called Earth Cafe. Then we went and did the stairs in Santa Monica, famous stairs in Santa Monica. And then I took her to Borders when there used to be a Borders before Amazon put them out. And I bought her a book on our second date, okay? December 30th, 2007. The book was 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged. That's on our second date, Doug. So she looks at me, she, you know, she, she thinks I have mental problems. 
And I told her, I said, Doug, I said, uh, Jennifer, let me simplify it for you. I have zero desire to sleep with you right now and make you another person. I, I've done, I, I was the guy that partied very hard. I'm not lacking in fun. I was very good at nightclubs. I was very good with, uh, you know, doing my thing and, you know, all that. I, I had zero desire to play any more games because I was done with it. And I had four girls I was talking to at that time that all of them I liked. None of them were having this. No one's a boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm not fooling around or anything. Just four girls I liked. Every one of them read the book. And we did the exercise together. And I realized automatically I can't be with the other three. It's just our, our visions didn't align. I told them exactly who I'm going to be and what type of a life I'm going to live. And they didn't match up with that. So Jennifer and I, we did it. And she was, you know, following week. We get together six hours later. She says, I like this. And I said, I like it. Let's start dating. Then we dated. And then I waited until you start seeing the stuff that happens where it's arguments and all this other stuff. And next thing you know, we uh, uh, take it to the next level. I propose. We get engaged. We get married. And now we've been married for seven and a half years. I think it's seven and a half. Yeah, about seven and a half years. We got three kids. And I don't know if we're going to be married for 50 years. I have no idea. I'm not this person that's going to get I guarantee we're going to be married for 50 years. I think we can be married for one more year. I take it one year at a time. Kind of like football teams take it one game at a time. We take it one year at a time. We're not going to put the per pressure of perfection on ourselves to you know, we have no idea what she's going to do and what I'm going to do, what's going to happen with life, but I know I can be married one more year. And it's been the best year of our life this last year. I love being married right now. There's nothing, I mean, I just love, and I know we've had our ups and downs. So let's go back to your question. Right off the bat, I told her I'm not the nine to five guy. I told her our vision. I told her what we want to do. And I told her I want to have this many kids. This is what I like to see. And obviously you can do kids and then sometimes you can have Perfect timing with ovulation, and God just says, you're not ready for kids. We can't control that part. It's totally fine. That's God's control. I don't control it. But I'd like to be able to have this many kids. I'd like to be able to do this. Who handles finances? What do you do with this? What's your, you know, one of the questions in the book is, what baggage do you bring to the table? It's one of the toughest conversations to have. Uh, you know, and then you'll learn about one another. So today, any time that we face something, it goes back to what we talked about when we were dating. So conflict has gone that. So now where do we go? I take it all over the world. We travel all over the world. We live in a beautiful place. She can do whatever she wants to do. She wants to go shop. She wants to do all this stuff. We have limits. I told my wife, I said, I'm not buying a Chanel bag until we have been married for six years and we have three kids. I mean, literally, I did not buy a Louis Vuitton or a Chanel bag for my wife for seven years. Seven years after being married. And then I went and bought her a nicest Chanel bag out there. Yeah, I didn't buy a house for five years. I think we're too much about let me show you everything I have and give it to you. And the next thing you know, everything is expecting perfect forever. I don't want to be like that. My kids, for each one of my kids, I bought seven toys. I've only bought seven toys for my oldest son. Seven toys. The kid is four and a half years old, about to be five in three weeks. I've only bought seven toys. Now, you think this guy's going to struggle with toys? He's got so many toys because everybody else is bringing him toys. I've only bought this kid seven toys. Why? He doesn't need that from daddy. He needs a lot more than that from daddy. So it all depends on the life you want to build. And then from there, you set, create certain set of standards and then you stick to it. And a lot of dialogue with your wife or your husband. Mm. Well, Pat, that has been just great information on relationships, on uh, recharging, on how to plan things out. I mean, it really is. And, and manage expectations. You know, one thing I, I've learned about you over the years is, is your communication skills and you know, you don't hem-haw around. I mean, here's how it is. You communicate it clearly. And you just on a second date, you know, getting your, your wife-to-be now. And three others, um, you know, a book on getting engaged. And, you know, you communicate what your intentions are. And you are 
uh, intentional about it and, and just go out there and make it happen. I've always appreciated that about you, sir, and I appreciate you coming on the show today. It has been uh, just so much value to add to our audience. I know they're going to love you as well. And if someone wanted to interact with you, you know, what's the best way to do that? I know you're social. Can you mention a couple of the the, uh, the YouTube page and those things again so folks could, uh, could tune in and, and become subscribers? Absolutely. First thing is YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in the word Valuetainment and subscribe to the channel and click on the alert to be alerted every time we have a video that's coming up. Our show on uh, Fridays, we have a, a, a Tom Ellsworth who does cases on different companies with this case studies are amazing. I do two how-to videos every week on Tuesday and Thursday, and then we do a Monday motivation on Mondays. Uh, and then the other part is I respond back to messages on Snapchat. So anybody who is on Snapchat, my user ID on Snapchat is BetDavid19. My last name, B-E-T-D-A-B-I-D, BetDavid19, the number one nine. Uh, follow me on Snapchat. I respond back to pretty much all the messages that I get on Snapchat. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, sir. I appreciate you carving out time. I know how valuable your time is and, and you're investing in others. You're investing in this American dream that we have, trying to take it worldwide with capitalism. And I knew you were passionate about it, but man, I tell you what, I love hearing it. Anything I can ever do to help you spread the word, please let me know. I love uh, love the energy you bring, sir. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, Doug. Yes, sir, as always. So, guys, if you want to listen to the full uncut version of this episode, you can go to ambitiousradio.com. Tune in on Saturdays. I did say Saturdays. Yes, we are now on Saturdays here in the Dallas market from 9 to 10 a.m. or you can catch the replay on ambitiousradio.com where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. So go out there and be ambitious. Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.